Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Stupid Questions, the podcast that asks stupid questions about big subjects. I'm Danielle Ward and with me today to talk about cybersecurity is James Ball, a journalist who's worked for The Guardian, BuzzFeed and Wikileaks and also the author of Post-Truth, How Bullshit Conquered the World. And joining me to ask the stupid questions are comedians Sophie Duca and John Finnamore. So if I can start, James, is everybody who disagrees with me on Twitter a Russian bot? Definitely. Definitely. So Twitter's a liberal anyone, haven, right? Anyone who has the wrong opinions on the internet yeah. is either getting paid by Russia or is a Russian bot, obviously. <laughs> In practice, it gets a bit tricky because it's really hard to fake the sort of authenticity and the rage of a true Twitter idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, Russia's got some resources behind this, but not enough. Um, I spent a couple of months like digging into Twitter bots. We actually have no idea what's going on Facebook because they make it really hard for journalists to look at it. Yeah, uh, That's working out great for them. <laughs> um, but if you look at Twitter, it's full of Russian bots. The problem is they're rubbish. Yeah, yeah, you can tell who and they so are. So there are a few thousand of them. And a lot of them are just porn bots or spam bots. Yeah. You know, They're trying to get you to click on a Russian bride site. I get tons of those ones. I'm really offended because it just makes me think I'm not being obviously gay enough. (laughs) Um, But otherwise, there are sort of a few thousand controlled by this Russian organization called the Internet Research Agency, which has the helpful acronym of IRA, um, which makes this good fun for a British uh, sort of media. And they're kind of rubbish. They will tweet quite odd memes. So... Mm -hmm. We found a whole bunch that were tweeting from Berlin, ostensibly, we love Trump because he's gay. And it was lots of photoshopped uh, Trumps with like rainbow flag hair or sort of yeah. posing like that. They'll sort of try anything to see what sticks. A lot of them are like that. And then they have about eight retweets that are mainly other bots. So you might be arguing with a bot on the internet. But most of them are pants. So is it an algorithm? Is it one person controlling lots of different Twitter accounts? Or is it an actual robot typing things? I would love it to be an actual robot typing things. I'd love it to be an actual robot typing things, right? But obviously, because 2018, it's got to be the boring answer. Uh, So it's kind of the middle one. They're sort of semi-automated accounts. So a person will come up with a new tweet or a new idea... And then a whole bunch of other accounts will automatically start retweeting it and at mentioning people and doing stuff like that. And so at any given moment, they might control one of three dozen accounts and the others will be on like autopilot. Sophie, have you got a question? Oh, sorry, I'll ask mm. you just as you're taking a sip of tea. Have um, got a question? Yes, I've got a question. Um, I want to know how important it actually is to have good password strength. Is like the stuff that you do to protect yourself, like having a strong password, does that actually protect your data. So it actually genuinely can do. Key thing with passwords is do you use a different one for every site that you have? You know. 
I do not. No, I don't. I absolutely don't. So the thing that's going to totally screw you over is there might be one site that you've logged in once. It's usually LinkedIn. That then gets hacked and its password database gets sold around on the darknet. And so somewhere around on the darknet is a fairly easily decryptable version of the password you use there, uh, plus your email address. Mm. And so once that's unlocked, someone can just go, they can buy it really cheaply and then just try it on every other site, your email address and that password on Facebook or on whatever. And so the thing that's got to put you in massive danger is reusing your password. So you want a fairly secure one that's not super guessable. But also any little trick like password Facebook, password LinkedIn, they might guess that. Um, <laughs> Unless so, you're using the other way around. <laughs> I'll never think of that. So if you've got a weird pattern that they're not going to guess, that might work. But genuinely, if you don't reuse your passwords and you're a little bit careful, that can properly help you. Well, my email password is Magna Carta 1216. Is that a good one? <laughs> It's brilliant. Um, it was. Can you, uh, like, I can confirm how well it works if you sort of read out your card number and the last digits <laughs> on the back as well. Um, I do need that information to yeah. be sure. You know, security reasons. But everybody wants a password. How? It's. I can't have a different password for everything. Yeah. So my personal system is your email account is like Fort Knox. That's the the last fortress. Once that's gone, game over. You're gone. So that has a password that is absolutely, totally secure. It's got all the stupid capitals, symbols, numbers. You don't use anything even similar to it for anything else. You then, on everything else, try and have a pretty secure password and maybe some dumb system that you know. You'll add to a password that you use on two or three sites Mm -hmm. a word starting with the letter after the name of the site or some silly rule that you can remember for anything that's got your card details or your home address or stuff like that. And then for stuff that's just a dumb email list or something fun, just a throwaway password that can be really stupid. Okay. That if that gets found out, who cares? Okay. Um, And also, you know the two-factor thing where you have to have your phone with you and you get a text and it's annoying? Yeah. Turn that on on everything. Oh, really? It's really good. Oh, Okay. God, I really need to change my yeah. uh, my email. John, have you got a question? My question is, I realise that companies now have unprecedented access to all my to my personal data and a lot of that's because I'm allowing them. So what I want to know is, am I why am I wrong that I can't bring myself to mind very much? Um, maybe because for you there isn't a good reason to mind. Like in all honesty, Google's pretty good, right? I quite like being able to confirm that I'm right when I'm having an argument in the pub. Yeah. Um, I like Google a fact. Obviously, if it's wrong, I say the internet's not working. <laughs> I'm probably right. I could do that in seconds from a mobile phone. And I don't pay anything for it. Mm. I quite like that. And the trade-off with Google is they remember what I search. They try and get better and better at targeting adverts to me. Mm. Facebook, pretty similar. They actually have to be a bit more invasive because, you know, if you're Googling cheap bathroom tiles... It's not hard to show you a good advert next to that. Yeah. If you're just on Facebook at 8pm on a Monday, how do I know what advert to show you? Right. Um, and so they have to think a lot more about you and try and target you in a lot more ways. But you get to use Facebook for free. You get mm. to find out which of your school friends are annoyingly doing better than you all the time. <laughs> and like a lot of us make that trade-off. And if we're knowing that we're doing that, if we're sort of aware, hey, they get the data so that advertisers can target us better. 
I get to do this stuff. That's the system working. Like, that's totally fine. What's worrying is when these things get co-opted to send us adverts that might stop us going to the ballot box or give us false information about, like, you know, minority groups. If it suddenly, like, radicalises you to be anti-gay or anti-immigrant or something like that Mm. because someone's found the one issue that will get through to you. And so it's about us knowing the trade-offs we're making and having some controls over how it's used. But, yeah, it's not that bad. Like I think most people, if they said, would you pay £5 a month for Google or let them carry on doing what they're doing, they're going to go, you know what, I'm fine with it. Google and Facebook are very different because Google haven't tried to swing an election or do all that business. Well... Google make even more money from adverts than Facebook do. Yeah. And Google literally read your email until a year or two ago. Really? Um, now they just read the subject line, so that's fine, right? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. But if you have Gmail, they used to scan all of the text of every email you ever got to decide what adverts oh. to target to you. But, like, if you look at it, YouTube is a social network. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever just let YouTube recommendations play for a while. Mm. Yeah. But you'll start on something like, you know... Three minutes of adorable kittens, and within about four videos, you're suddenly on why Hillary Clinton is using kittens to, <laughs> you know, lead the Illuminati takeover of the world. I haven't done that, and I didn't know that's what happened. Yeah, the recommendation engine on a whole bunch of stuff that starts relatively sane can often get you like deep into dark internet things. <laughs> and wow. the, because YouTube's adverts work like they do, you'll see a really cute advert for, you know, a nice mainstream company before you see this mad conspiracy theory. And so Google are kind of in all of this too. Um, and I mean, you know, let's say during Brexit, you were Googling, do we send the EU 350 million a week? There's a big advert at the top of it saying the facts about... Yeah. You might click that thinking it's a good fact check and get a Russian backed campaign site. So this stuff can happen on Google as well. There's I mean, it's twenty eighteen and it's the internet. No one's a good guy. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea that happened with YouTube. Yeah, I mean you... I'm I'm not a seventeen year old, so I don't watch it that much. <laughs> There's a lot of good old sitcoms on it though. <laughs> there are no. and uh, a lot of but weird music that you can't get on Spotify as well. Are we, are we backing uh, pirating content creators here? Yeah, a little bit. And they, they pirate all of my stuff. I mean, um, I, I for one but... do also think comedians shouldn't be paid for their work. How have we got to a situation where a Russian-funded data organisation can be influencing elections and referendum how have we got there so there is a kind of fun thing to flag with like the cambridge analyticas of the world and all of this have a think about the adverts you've seen online in the last day or so what's like the worst one you've seen i I don't pay any attention to the adverts so i don't know but if you exactly oh you don't look at them do you you don't look at the adverts you don't remember them you don't the ones i remember are i get adverts on the internet for really horrible see-through boxer shorts which i would genuinely chop a finger off rather than wear that's the adverts i remember or i don't know and i really really don't think i have that kind of internet history yeah or my own book which (laughs) i'm not going to buy i have four copies already which 
frankly makes me look like even more of a narcissist than I am. So none of this worked. They're, yeah. they're rubbish. Was... And Cambridge Analytica are known in the industry for being really pants at what they do. <laughs> they tried this big sinister plan. They harvested our data. They like they deserve to be scrutinised. They deserve all of this. It's really good reporting going into it. They were rubbish at it. It's like they were a clown show. So... People just genuinely wanted to vote Trump on Brexit. Yeah, that's the bad side of oh. this. It turns out the world is horrible, but it turns yeah. out it's probably not just because of a couple of sinister people pulling strings. Well, that makes me feel a bit better. Do Does know, it make you feel better? No, it makes me feel worse. Feel better, really? Be like, if there are a few nasty conspirators, be like the end of a Scooby-Doo. We could get, get everything to turn out okay, but no. People wanted Donald Trump but to be can, president. You can change people's minds. You can't you know, overthrow a creepy organisation. I'm better at overthrowing creepy organisations <laughs> than changing people's minds. That's what you say about the advert's really interesting. So I have recently deleted my Facebook account, not so much about the data, but because I was getting drawn into arguments with people and it would take up all my time. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going to burn it to the ground. But after having a baby, I did buy three things that were on targeted ads. Because I was like, yeah, that looks great. I'll buy that. They're fantastic. Were they fantastic? One of them was really good, actually, and I'm very glad I bought it. <laughs> so this is sort of the thing. Like, I actually, I mean, firstly, I work in journalism. Like, if you don't look, like, if no one pays for adverts, you know, I'm not going to be able to keep my cats in the lifestyle to which they're accustomed. <laughs> and my, see-through you know... shorts. <laughs> yeah, see-through cat shorts. It's a great look. <laughs> Everyone's in it this season. But it's this sort of issue of when I'm on the internet, I would actually rather see a good advert than a bad advert. Like, there's the stuff I like buying. Yeah. Like, you know, I've bought T-shirts because I've seen an advert for what looks like a nice clothes shop online and gone, yeah, that's quite cheap. I'm cheap. It's like, yeah, why not? Or a decent book recommendation or something. And so it's just about making sure it's not sort of going out to all sorts of skeezy places. I'm not going to get sort of spammed. I'm not going to get defrauded. But there is a trade-off that's okay here too. Why aren't they clever enough not to do that thing where... You buy an ironing board and suddenly the internet decides, ah, Sarah's starting an ironing board collection. Perhaps you to see some of our own. Yeah, when you spend four months being stalked by the sofa that you just bought yeah. and you're still in the trauma from self-assembly, it's never great. It's basically because most online ad targeting is so bad that the best thing, and like obviously the hit rate is annoying when you bought it, but you do sometimes look at something and just don't quite get it. And that little reminder a week or two later, mm. like, actually, that was a decent sofa. That was a mm. decent ironing board. I might get it. it. That's one of the most successful adverts on the internet, which, again, should make us a bit more relaxed about the rest of targeting. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's worth annoying those of us who've bought it <laughs> enough because enough other people actually go, hang on, yeah, maybe that was the one. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I wish there was a way to go, I fucking bought it, okay? <laughs> <laughs> like, I would love that button. But until it exists, it's basically because it's worth the money. Sophie, have you got anything else? Yeah, um, about Cambridge Analytica. So I'm quite relieved to hear that they're just like bumbling villains who are quite bad at doing the thing that they say they're doing. Oh, yeah, doing. they're like a kind of universal-rated Disney villain. Okay, okay, <laughs> great. But I feel like no one's looking... like. 
sure I love being sold stuff that I already want to buy, but I feel like no one's looking out for me on the internet. So the way that like Nix talks about Cambridge Analytica, he's like, oh, we'll find out if you're neurotic and we'll harvest the data <laughs> from you and from your friends and your friends' friends. And it's reassuring to know that they can't actually do anything that powerful with it. But is it possible that someone could get yeah. hold of so it? So the bad news is the extent to which you're bought and sold is way bigger than you would think. It's just not that Cambridge Analytica is doing it. And kind of luckily for us, there's more money in trying to sell us, you know, nappies or T-shirts than trying to sell us politics. But there are companies with data on hundreds of millions of us that are really good at joining up who we are online with who we are offline. Mm -hmm. And so anytime you forget to tick the box on a form that says do or don't share my details with other people, all of that. There are companies that just buy in all of that and assemble this huge amount of data. So there is the potential for this to be really tricky, but there is actually somewhere looking out for us. Um, God. 2018 oh. being what it is, slightly bleak, it's the EU. Oh, <laughs> oh no, um, I love the EU. And so the data protection rules that kind of protect when they can save our data, when they can email us, how they can use it, how much permission we can give, are about to get way stricter. Uh, late in May, this thing called GDPR, and it's mind-numbingly boring if you want to dig into the detail, but gives us way more protections than we already have. And actually, in Europe, we have better protections than they have in America already. So yeah, and look on the bright side, you've never, ever used a cookie without knowing all about it. <laughs> so, oh, aren't they annoying? <laughs> so what you're saying is that the companies out there that can take all our data, work out who we are, and then one day we'll be able to download it into a sex robot, kill us, and put the sex robot out on the street in our place. That's a very good summary of uh, what's going to happen. But only if the sex robot, like, more, more reliably buys things than you do. Oh, is it all still about buying stuff? It's not about starting an army of people that are like me, but just with a little tiny bit different? No, I think mainly buying stuff. No, no, stuff. That's, that's you having a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this is just parenthood worries. <laughs> that's so. you doing that. You can't put that on the internet. But yeah, no, the upside of capitalism is as long as you outspend your evil sex robot clone, oh. you're more useful alive. listening to me and why is she listening to me and who is she telling about what she's hearing alexa is always passively listening to you and every time you actually talk to it it saves what you say to it 
um, you can actually look back at what you've ever said to it on the app. Wow. Um, but that does go to Amazon. And, you know, their theory is it's so that it can give you better and better answers. But if the NSA or GCHQ or the FBI want that, yeah, they can have that. So if you're going, you know, Alexa, call my friend, you know, Cocaine Joe. Yeah. I want 45 kilograms brought into Dover tomorrow. <laughs> you might have some problems. Alexa, get me membership to ISIS. That sort of thing, right? Yeah. Alexa, do you have the audio book of ISIS's latest magazine? <laughs> uh, but is someone's going to get arrested for that someday. When the light's not on, is, is she still listening to you? She's listening for her call word. Okay. Um, but it does mean that, let's say, you know, Everyone's getting a bit worried. You're going a bit ISIS. Yeah. Someone could get a warrant and use Alexa to listen to you. Like all the time? Yeah. Like a bug? They, they can, can do activate that to your phone. it. Really? If if an intelligence agency wants to listen to you enough, yeah. they can turn on your phone microphone at any time and have it transmit. Without yeah. me being on the actual phone? Yep. It can just be like on the table? Yeah. Could be there right now. Fuck off! I mean, I... the upside is, if it's in your pocket yeah. or in your bag... Like, everyone's done a bum dial. Yeah. You know how bad the audio is. It's not going to work that well. But, yeah, if you ever see your battery going down way faster than it should... Oh, my God. You might have annoyed an intelligence agency. I used to have arguments with people about this because um, of working in sensitive areas. And pe- like people would be like, put your, take your phone off the table and put it in your bag. Yeah. And I was like, that's not happening. But I did. It's, so they can't, they can't just do it en masse at will to everyone. It, they've, they've got to put some work in. Yeah. But if you are someone who might be of interest to Russia or to the UK or to America, yeah. they can totally get your phone to do anything you want. Oh, my God. So I have to be quite careful like when I'm dating or something like that because yeah. I, I worked for WikiLeaks yeah. and then for Snowden. And I still have open warrants and open criminal investigations on me. Mm-hmm. And so I have to kind of go, look, you know, if you want to get raunchy on uh, WhatsApp, even end-to-end encrypted, you might you might just want to keep it a bit PG because it might be you, me, and Bob, the FBI agent. What, they can read encrypted? Yeah, I thought WhatsApp, WhatsApp was... So they can't generally. Like, it's a lot... Like, end-to-end encrypted basically means whichever company's doing it. So WhatsApp's owned by Facebook. Mm. They can't be reading it. They can't be saving it. It's just you and the other person. Mm-hmm. But if someone's hacked the actual phone... They can get into everything as if they had your unlocked phone. Yeah. So they're not breaking the end-to-end stuff, but uh, they can get in there. So, so what if you delete your chats? Too late. If they were already in your phone when it happened, oh, oh. if you delete them before, before they get in, yeah. yeah. So like end-to-end encryption, really good for your privacy generally, really good for making it hard to target good adverts at you. Yeah. You know, like quite nice. If someone, if someone like skilled enough wants to know what's going on enough... Nah. See, I'm I'm sounding surprised and worried as if I have got something dodgy going on, but I haven't honestly. I mean, I, I am starting to wonder if you're running some sort of ISIS cell, or you know, you. I mean, you did sort of give that little look when I said 45 kilograms a day. But it's like, nah, mate, you put it into yeah. Southampton. <laughs> like I he just... knows cocaine, Joe. <laughs> you know I'm just worried. You, you, I, I see you popped your iPhone into your cup of tea. And I... <laughs> But, you know, there was all that talk about the identity cards and how, you know, this is a really terrible thing and we shouldn't be doing this and, you know, we shouldn't be getting microchips and all that sort of stuff. When the technology is there, but we're passively allowing it. Yeah, we've without... just volunteered for yeah. it. But, like, a Nectar card has way more information on you than a government ID card ever would. Does it? 
Uh, well, it? yeah, think about how much oh, that Oh, all the different you. things that you spend your money on. Yeah, and like weird patterns of it. Like because they've got so many millions of other people, there's stuff like if you change your dietary habits a little bit, they might be able to spot you're pregnant before you do. And they mm. actually sort of have oh. to do stuff to almost make it less creepy. Like when you get your vouchers through, they'll send you a few rubbish ones. It's like leaks. Like I've ever got to buy a leak. <laughs> Fuck off, Sainsbury's. And then, I oh, know, but that was perfect. That's lucky. So I cannot wait for the Black Mirror episode on a nectar card. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's got way more information. And your phone has way more than any of that. Like the one of the most sort of interesting things is there's an iPhone setting you can get into, and it shows you everywhere you spend your time. And, like, it will show you, oh, it will yeah. guess where you were in a given place because it sort of knows it from elsewhere or where you were a bunch of times. And so mine tells me how often I'm in my local, <laughs> which is sort of, it's like, yep, Tuesday, you left at 23.58. <laughs> and you sort of try not to take judgment from it. Um, like, mine once reversed home and work. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> which was sort of one of those where it's like, yeah, okay. Thank you. Thank you, iPhone, for <laughs> pointing out my lonely workaholic existence. Um, but it will show you everywhere you've been in London over the last six months. Oh, it's card does that. To exact details. Oh, oh no, that's just where it travels rather than oh, which building you're in for how long. Mm. And bear in mind, just that detail, nothing other than the location from the nearest tower. Like, if our iPhones are four feet apart, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Where at a meeting or at the next desk, if our iPhones are four feet apart at three o'clock in the morning at your house, someone's going to come to a different conclusion. And like even location and time, nothing more than that can start getting really weirdly into it. So, yeah, like the amount of stuff you can work out from what seems super innocuous. And this is all still just to make you buy stuff, though. Actually, Apple don't use that at all. Android might use that to sell you stuff. Because they, they might then work out, if you're looking for a restaurant near me, Yeah. when you say restaurant, do you want a kind of cheap, like, are you actually just being fancy when you want a KFC? Yeah. Or are you wanting to go somewhere with 16 tasting courses? And it'll <laughs> recommend you something based on that. So, yeah, it's still to sell you stuff. Apple, actually, they store all this shit and then don't really use it. Because the comforting yeah. thing with Apple is they make their money by selling you incredibly expensive, shiny electrical things. Yeah. So they don't need to make money selling your data. So it's either, you know, do you want to be super bourgeoisie and buy expensive phones but have a bit of privacy? Or is it like, you know what, I'll take the Android and, yeah, sell me stuff. John, have you got another question? Yeah. So if you're, suppose you are planning a very special, lovely anniversary surprise for your partner and for that reason you put on private browsing... That, that is the main reason That's for private the only browsing I've heard. I yes. believe it, the only reason it exists. Is, is that a real thing? Is it private? In the UK, the government keeps a record of every website that you visit. It's done slightly indirectly, but they know everywhere that you go unless you use what's called a VPN, which is basically a computer between you and the internet. And so all the government sees is you accessing that computer and then it goes around for you. What private browsing does is it stops any sort of cookies tracking sort of where you've been and what you're doing. So let's say you were trying to buy a lovely book from Amazon. If you go on that on normal browsing, that might then turn up in all the adverts for the rest of it. If you do private browsing, by the time you close that window, it will go and there'll be no trace of it. 
So it won't save in your computer's web history. It won't save any cookies or anything of that. It doesn't stop the websites knowing that your sort of web address visited them. It doesn't stop if the government was watching you, them knowing. But it does stop your computer keeping any trace of it. So as long as my partner doesn't work for the government, she won't know the lovely surprise book. As long as she's not, you know, hacking your computer constantly uh, to watch you. Well, she is doing that. Sounded facetious, but if you wanted to buy your partner a lovely surprise book, you would have to use a private browser, otherwise the book's going to keep popping up. You would up. actually <laughs> have, you genuinely, yeah. I honestly have used browsing. a bit for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. I know, and I felt like such a, cli- you know, like, not a cliche, the opposite of a cliche, like, uh, it only happens in adverts. And then, oh, I am actually going to do this. Because <laughs> hey, Amazon, he is available for sponsorship <laughs> deals. You already know he's email address (laughs) so you worked for wikileaks can i ask uh julian assange good or bad lovely man you know (laughs) selfless he gives to charity it's uh i mean but there was a while where he was a hero there was and i mean he was kind of always a problematic hero is the thing i mean i wasn't there in sweden but you don't have to look at much of it. And I remember sort of hearing about the Swedish case. Yeah. And I was actually in a room with his girlfriend when we heard it. We both sort of laughed at how obvious a CIA fit-up that would be. And then you hear the details. It's like, is that illegal? Is that not? I don't know Swedish law and yeah. I wasn't in the room. But he was obviously this sort of creep and pushed it far too far and made them feel unsafe and made them feel like violated quite obviously and yeah. they they had really believed in him like a lot of us had yeah and when you sort of not only then was the fact of that but that you wouldn't face up to it and he wouldn't see it and then he pretended that it was a freedom of speech thing and that it was a cyber security thing when it's like no this is you this is literally just just because you're famous and just because you're doing cool hacking things standing up to the u.s doesn't mean you're above this yeah and like dragging them into it, like that was a pretty good warning sign. And so it wasn't a massive surprise when he started to get into the really misogynistic alt-right side of things, backing Russia, backing... It's this thing of a lot of the stuff Julian Assange said he believed in in 2010. Yeah. I believe in. That's great. Like, you know, I want information on potential war crimes to be out there. I want us to hold our governments to account. I like transparency. That's a good thing. Yeah. Except in boxer shots. Uh, definitely <laughs> not in boxer shots. Yeah. Maybe that's why. The... Seriously, they're the worst boxer shorts. They're horrible. <laughs> um, but like this guy basically just co-opted this cause for his ego and for his weird, creepy, misogynistic quest. And it's like, yeah, you know what? Stay in your back bedroom with your internet cut off, dickhead. <laughs> that is a very succinct answer. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the film? I have seen the film. Is it accurate? Is it? There's a guy loosely based on me in it, but they decided <gasps> my name wasn't cool enough. And I so, was going to ask who played you as a joke. I'm so, so pleased you're actually. So he's he's been renamed Ziggy. Ziggy. Oh um, my god, that's such a screenwriter's name. He basically just follows Julian around looking earnest with a satchel, which is sadly a little bit accurate. <laughs> but he's gorgeous. Uh. <laughs> and so on the whole, not a very good film. Wouldn't recommend. I'm quite happy with it. <laughs> so, so when people say to you, hey, who would play you in a movie? You're like, already got it. <laughs> so. We've got time for one more question each. So, John, have you got a question first? Well, yeah. The, the, um, 
how to word this one. How do you get onto the dark net? Uh, no, what I mean is, how <laughs> difficult is it? It's not hard to get on there. It's difficult to do it right so that you're actually on there and not getting tracked. Right. Because a whole bunch of people do things like keep all of their cookies you know, like the little files that tag and track you, yeah. they keep them turned on. Right. <laughs> so if you go to any normal site Pricks. while you're connected through it, you get immediately found out. So it's quite easy to get on there. Um, and if you Google, um, it's the main way on there is this thing called, it's called the Onion Router. But if you Google the words Tor Project, they have this nice package you can download that'll get you straight on. No, you can't just Google Dark Web then. No, Click on dark web. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it works pretty straightforwardly. It's just you'll almost certainly do it wrong and actually be trackable. Yeah, yeah what does it actually look like? Because I always just picture it's like Google but white on black. <laughs> <laughs> so brilliantly, a whole bunch of darknet sites do white on black no, just really? for the aesthetic, oh. <laughs> uh, just because they think it should look like it. So annoyingly, it's basically like the internet but a lot slower, <laughs> like way less reliable, disconnects a bunch and runs really slowly. But otherwise, it sort of looks like the internet about eight or nine years ago because everything runs slowly, way fewer pictures, way fewer stuff like that, and lots of sites keep getting shut down. And so it looks like kind of Craigslist circa 2009 <laughs> but with a cool hacker color scheme i miss those days um but yeah you can get on there quite easily then trying to find interesting stuff there is a lot harder because <laughs> they don't have all that good search engines and you're trying to sort of you know a lot of people get on there and they want what used to be called the silk road which got shut down ages ago mm. which is the sort of big marketplace where in theory you could buy guns and assassinations the only people signing those were police. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you could buy a lot of drugs. Like, there are still a lot of networks like that there. They exist, they work, but they move around all the time because they keep getting taken over and shut down. So it's still cat and mouse. Where do you buy guns, Gumtree? So, I mean, personally, <laughs> I talked to Cocaine Joe. <laughs> just, you know, He's just... very reliable. <laughs> Sophie, have you got a question? I've got a question. Someone who isn't me went on the dark web. Is it so that someone who isn't me when they were on the dark web saw, was very much in the passenger seat watching someone else access the dark web and saw some things like uh, knuckle dusters with tasers in them and stuff like that. Is it illegal to use the dark web or is it just illegal to do illegal things on it? Is there like a legal It's use completely for legal it? to okay. go on the dark web. Okay. And you know, people like genuinely the dark web is what helped activists in Syria sort of avoid Assad and get mm. sort of footage of war crimes out there. It's what helps uh, pro democracy activists in China. Mm. Like there are genuinely good legitimate reasons to keep the dark web functioning and why we probably shouldn't call it the dark web. Um but most of what you might look at on the dark web kind of totally legal um essentially if you want to look up weird weapons and that kind of stuff nothing wrong with it totally legal it's fine buy them different story mm -hmm. for obvious reasons i think we're we would all back this you know images of abuse all that kind of stuff anytime you're going anywhere near deliberately looking at that stuff you're gonna be in trouble and I'm glad of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but the rest of it, there's nothing wrong with being on there. There's nothing wrong with having a little look around. 
you know, why not explore? It's the internet. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. That was uh, incredibly fascinating. Yeah. John, do you have anything to plug? I do. I'm going on tour. My tour is called uh, John Finnamore's Flying Visit, and it's going around the country in May and June. And if you go to johnfinnamore.com, all the ticket links are there. Fantastic. Do you have anything to plug, Sophie? Yes, I have a show called Wacky Racists, which is a pun. It's not just a night for quirky racists. It's a comedy <laughs> show no. uh, where we crush bigotry. <laughs> I'm set by that. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a comedy show where we crush bigotry with funnies and it is every second Sunday of the month. You can find it on Twitter by following me. Or on the dark web. Or on the dark web. And James, finally, have you got you, you were talking about your book. Come on, tell us about your book. So it's called Post Truth, How Bullshit Conquered the World. It's as optimistic as it sounds. And in all good bookshops, please buy it. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming in, guys. Thanks to my guests, James Ball, Sophie Duca and John Finnamore. Any Stupid Questions was written and presented by me, Danielle Ward, and produced by Ed Morris for the internet. If you liked it, please tell your friends by way of rating, reviewing and or subscribing, which helps other people find out about the show. But also, I imagine if you just think about it very hard, that'll work as well. Stupid Questions.